Hello and welcome to the 1 106th of a second photography podcast. I'm joined today by Nicole and we've got a really interesting episode. Nicole is a professional photographer and makeup artist and she offers a really unique and bespoke service to the customers she works with. So Nicole, just for the listeners, would you mind introducing yourself and what you do and a little bit about you, please? Well, hello there. My name is uh, Nicole, as he said, and I've been a, a professional photographer for about 12 years now. Well, what I offer is pinup photography and cosplay photography. I've been mainly concentrating on pinup photography and I, I offer the bespoke service of somebody coming to me has never stood in front of a camera before. I do their hair, I do their makeup, and then we proceed to take the pictures. It started off as a confidence boost for women. That's where it all begin, began 12 years ago. Thank you. So you've got your own studio and you've got your own kit. You've got the whole setup, haven't you? I have indeed, yeah. But um, I've only been that lucky for about three years of all those 12 years. Um, I started off with basically a camera and um, static lights. Um, and I traveled to people's homes rather than having a studio somewhere, which got me around the, the whole fact of, of having to rent somewhere, which kept my costs down. But it was also a very fascinating way of meeting people, because when you go to somebody's house, you never know what the circumstances will be in terms of technicalities. You don't know how much space you will have for lighting. You don't know what kind of backgrounds and props you can use or what you can do in somebody's house full stop. But it made the client comfortable. They were in a very familiar surround and it didn't make them quite as nervous as coming to your studio. But now that I have a studio, I have to say I very much like the uh, possibilities of it and not having to freak out when I'm faced with a two square meter flat. And as well, having your own place, you can set up your background and your lights and you can leave them. You don't have to get them in and out. Yes. I live in a three story house and I used to have my gear stored either in the loft or in the third floor. So every time I went somewhere and I took loads of gear, I had to take it down the stairs or get it out of the loft. And then coming back, I had to do the reverse. It was terrible. When you went to people's house, what sort of backgrounds did you bring or did you not take any backgrounds? I tended not to take any backgrounds. I basically just used what was there. It was a, you know, extremely fast learning curve about what to do and what not to do. And the first photo shoots, if I look at the pictures now, I think I, you know, I very much frown upon them, I have to say. But, you know, that's just what happens when you've been doing it for a while. You have to learn to, to uh, use what is there. I used curtains or I used, you know, sometimes even just windows like a backlight. It was really nice. I do sometimes miss that because it's a challenge. And, you know, obviously when you work in your own studio, you have to be careful not to fall into a comfort zone and just use the same thing over and over because you know it works. Going to people's homes, what sort of mistakes did you make when you first started and, and then how did you overcome them? When I first started, the major mistakes I made was over-concentrating on the model or on, on the, the subject I was photographing. I was so nervous about photographing people I had never seen before and the expectations they put on me that when I look back on the pictures, there were things in the pictures that should have never been there, like cables, lighting switches, me in the mirror. And <laughs> so, you know, and they were badly composite. They were off center. You had people cut off at the wrong bit, like there was an arm missing or things, all those things, you know, where you were simply afterwards thought, why didn't I look at that for, uh, um, up front? But then you look at them and you learn from it. You know, you don't make that mistake again the next time round. But um, yeah, and, you know, I overshot everything. I, I took 500 images of one shoot, which I now don't do anymore. I maybe take 100 if I want 10 good ones out of it. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I get that. There's nothing, particularly with digital, there's nothing wrong with taking, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking too many images because you can't go back once you've left, can you? Can I ask you a question? Are you a people person, Nicole? Oh, totally. I was going to say, I'm not a people person and I'm very introverted, even though I publicise my thoughts on the internet via a podcast. I, I'm actually really not a people person. And I think going to people's houses rather than having them come to you you've got to be that much little bit extra of a people person if that makes sense would you agree with that oh totally um i you know i have the attitude that if you're working with people if you want to photograph people if it's not landscapes cars or anything like that that you're after if you actually want to photograph people you have to interact it's all good and fine to have all the equipment and the and the technical knowledge but if you can't interact with people it makes it 
more difficult. I'm not saying you won't get decent images, but I think if your subject relaxes, you will get far better shots of that person than you would if they were just sitting there and you point a camera and light at them. But yeah, as you're right, going to people's places could have been interesting. I always had my partner with me who would come in, check the place out, check the people out and then leave. So I wouldn't go on my own. The photo shoot tended to be one to one. Yeah, I wouldn't just turn up at somebody's place. I mean, <laughs> that could have made for interesting encounters, I think. But I've never I've never actually had any awkward things happening during a shoot when I went to people's places. No, because I mean, th these are people who have hired you. So I, I tend to find when people are paying and hiring, they tend to be the, the better sort of people to interact with because they, they know that you're a professional and they treat you like a professional. Yes, that's very true. You've been doing this now for some time. I'm guessing until maybe recently when you went into cosplay, it's been mainly females who have had this done. What sort of good cause has your photography given people when i first start i have to go back then because the original idea behind it was i i was rather surprised to find you know when you when you meet new people um especially women i found i was incredibly surprised how fast women are to tell you what is wrong with them so within say a half an hour com a conversation after 10 minutes a woman would tell me she doesn't like her legs she doesn't like her nose she doesn't like her belly she doesn't like her bum etc and I thought, isn't that a sad state of affairs? It's like, but that's the body you live with. So why on earth can you only focus on the things that are wrong with you? You know, I, I was a trained makeup and hairstylist. I picked up photography when I was about 16. And then I thought, surely there's something that you can show women that they are okay. You don't have to be a certain size, a certain age or a certain anything to be just fine as you are. And that's where I came from. And I, I think a lot of women walked away with a feeling that they were actually absolutely fine or more than fine. They felt good about themselves. They could look, you know, first you do the hair and makeup and that's already one step into that direction. They look in the mirror and they go, wow, I've never seen myself like this. And then yes, you know, talking pinup photography, which in, very often involves a certain amount of nudity Talk, walking about in lingerie in front of a total stranger is nerve-wracking but once you've done it it's a bit like jumping out of an aircraft you might get a buzz out of it and it hasn't it wasn't rare that people would come back over and over and over again as a matter of fact i have clients that have been here 20 times and they're almost addicted to it now because they get a buzz out of it and it makes them feel good and now you have social media, so they post their images on social media and they get another bus out of it by getting a lot of positive comments from other women as well, which is great. I think that's fantastic. That's my job good done. And how much of a bonus has it been being yourself female? Do you think a male photographer would have a good dynamic doing this or is there a bit of a barrier with a male photographer doing this type of work? I don't think male photographers have a problem when they're shooting models in any way. There's an awful lot of fantastic male pinup photographers on the market. I don't know how fantastic they would be if they have somebody that has never done anything like this before. So they're total novice when it comes to posing, you know, how to hold their bodies, etc. Obviously, you know, I then have the bonus of being a woman and saying, look, I understand. You know, I, I, I get that too. I don't like my bum in that kind of angle either. I know, I understand the worries. I don't just look at a woman and think, oh, she's pretty. I look at it and go, yeah, I know why you wouldn't want me to shoot that. Or I know why you wouldn't want that angle. You know, so I can pay attention to something that that is internalized with women. So I'm not saying that men can't do that because I think they could, but there is still something different going on between two women in a room basically having fun and accidentally taking some gorgeous pictures or you know going to a man there is still a bit of a barrier especially when it comes to people that haven't done it before so yeah i have an advantage in that i was born like this sorry your mix of clients is some returning clients and and some new clients you can't have anything else in between can you they've either been with you before or they haven't what sort of percentage of your client base are new people who have never modeled before i would say about 50 50 now i have a lot of women that you know to be absolutely honest when i started i never thought that would happen i never thought i would get women 
that would come back over and over. I never thought that I would have um, return customers in that to that extent. I thought, yeah, maybe there will be one or two. I mean, when I first started, I didn't even think that I would get that many women who would be willing to pose in underwear. But obviously, there is a lot out there. But uh, no, it's about 50-50 now. Quite often, I find that women who know the 50% that are coming back to me, they go out and talk. And they talk to their friends and they talk to other people, um, to other women. And they say, you should try this. It's fun. And you will feel so good about yourself. You know, quite very often, I would say from the 50% of women that have been here before and then 25% of the people that are newcomers they come from the 50% that have been here before good I'm, I'm really glad you're getting referrals and repeat customers you must be doing something right and I'm, I've seen your website I'm, I'm very sure you're doing something right talk me through some of the ways you light this all comes down to lighting and, and I would see it myself as lighting being probably the most key element here how do you like your subjects? And I know you're going to say, well, I don't do the same thing every time, but maybe talk me through the last the last person you worked with. How, how do you like someone? As you, as you say, it's not the same every time, but I like to experiment a bit as well. But I, I can basically tell you what I have in my studio. I've got two strobe lights in 300 watt. That's pretty much all the lighting I use, to be honest in different kind of angles, either with soft boxes or I've got um, sometimes for a bit of uh, um, atmosphere. I use gel lights in different colors. Um, I've also used umbrellas, reflecting umbrellas. I've got one reflector to be added to the whole thing if I want it really bright. So I suppose it, it kind of depends on what you want to do. If, if I do um, a classic pinup shot, like the classic calendar girl, it would be very bright so you don't have many shadows you have a plain background a colored background i prefer rather than white or black i tend to prefer bright colors like blue or red or yellow and then i try to uh, light it pretty flat so it's there's no harsh shadows between the girl and the background if i'm going more boudoir direction i sometimes even use only one light so you get a lot of shadow going on which also depends on how much I want to hide or show. So the flat light, the really bright light where there isn't much shadow, there's not much you can hide other than with posing. If you want to hide certain aspects of somebody, or if you just want to make it like, a, like a, say, a tasteful implied nude as well, it doesn't always have to be bit of the woman that I want to hide because of her shape or whatever. It could also be that I want to hide certain aspects because we don't want to show everything. What, sometimes one light is all I need. I think shadows really make an image and I really like one light. I've often worked with two lights and, and maybe three lights, but one light works really well. You mentioned classic. Now, to me, classic has many sort of connotations and interpretations. When you said classic, I was thinking sort of 1950s beauty shot, black and white with, with a woman sort of with like a feather boa on that type of thing. Is that what you mean when you say classic or do you mean just like a bright photo? I was more thinking when, when I said classic, what I had in mind was, I don't want to throw names at people that they don't know, but there, um, there was an artist in the 50s called Gil Elfgren or Jill Elfgren who did calendar girls, who was a painter and they have been used on absolutely everything. So I'm sure that you will have seen one. They have been used on uh, merchandise, on goods, on, on household wear, absolutely everywhere. He was the most prolific pinup painter in the 50s. And that's what I meant with classic and because they were colored as well. Obviously then if you go more classic in the terms of, of um, somebody uh, of, of the 50s pinup shots that you would have seen in scandalous men's magazines, which there were at the time, they would have been black and white and quite often very grainy and very raw. Because they were scandalous, they were quite often shot in somebody's living room. They weren't really shot in massive studios. And then obviously you also have the classic idea of Vogue magazine, which was a totally different thing, but that has a, has a very different style again. So between the classic Vogue fashion shot and the raw images of, say, somebody like Betty Page. There is a huge spectrum of classic pinup, what classic pinup actually is. But what they all have in common is tease rather than show. So then obviously the shadows come into place again, which is rather lovely. 
Betty Page is is what I was thinking of actually. So while we've been talking, I've just been googling it actually. Yes, it's really difficult to describe verbally. That's why I've I've looked it up. So what I'm looking at, and and you need to stop me if I'm wrong and giving people the wrong description is we've got generally a blonde or a brunette it looks like an american model posing sort of sat on a chair maybe skirt being lifted ever so slightly for some reason so we've got someone in front doing a barbecue who's wafting the barbecue with their skirt and sort of wearing stockings that sort of thing isn't it jill elfgren he did a lot of calendar girls he was a commercial artist so he could paint in half an hour he was a very prolific painter of the 1950s when he didn't do pinup girls he did a lot of um 1950s happy family if you think about 1950s advertising when it was painted that was his style yeah so we, we've got a, a woman who's walking past what must be a work site because there's a men at work sign and unfortunately her skirt has got hoisted up by like a pulley she looks a little bit shocked it's, it's that sort of thing isn't it yes it exactly it's it's fun it's light-hearted um, it's not too saucy, not over-sexual. It's just very funny, cute, quite innocent, but very colourful. Yes, it is a sort of accidental voyeurism, I suppose. Things you're not supposed to see, but they accidentally reveal themselves. And today they will cause absolutely no offence. No, exactly. Which is why it is a wonderful way of for women to play with their sexy side without giving too much away it's totally acceptable you if you had a picture taken like this as a woman you could hang it on your wall and nobody would take offense of it so your your customers must wear stockings suspenders lingerie and then maybe sort of an old-fashioned 50s dress i'm guessing yeah that's pretty much it um you know they quite often i get emails when when i discuss the shoot up front with a client they say what am i supposed to wear and the list is very long you can go from, you know, I, I think pinup can go from fully dressed to no clothes at all. Um, it all depends on how you shoot it. But yeah, the, the, the clothes are 50s dresses, you know, either full circle, petticoats, you know, high heels, stockings, the, uh, uh, the proper lingerie, the 50s lingerie, which isn't G-strings. And um, anything that goes with it, gloves, hats, flowers, loads of things. And who supplies that? Do people bring their own or do you supply that as, as an additional cost? How, how does that work? Well, ten, people tend to bring their own. Um, I can't really uh, provide an enormous wardrobe. I have an awful lot of um, accessories and props by now that have accumulated over the years. But um, I find, especially with underwear, I don't really think you should be sharing that with strangers. Even if it's cleaned, I don't know. I would be very funny about that if somebody would say, oh, there's a pair of knickers over there you can wear. <laughs> but they have already been worn five times by other people. I would find that a bit off-putting. But it makes them also more comfortable if they can wear their own clothes. I do have a deal with a lingerie company um, that helps me a bit out sometimes if they're really stuck for, for ideas and they also do get a little gift with stockings and gloves in it when they first come for their shoot. So at least that helps a bit. But all kinds of like bigger props like feather fans and boas and jewellery and hair flowers and I have all that here. Excellent. So do you tend, you, you must shoot against I guess a grey background and then light it to either be dark or a, a specific colour or do you shoot on props like chaise longs and, and sort of sofas and things like that? Um, I have a grey background which I actually use far more for cosplay photography. The pin-up photography I tend to use coloured backgrounds. I've got a flurry of colour backgrounds. I think I've got about 15 different colours but I've got props as well. Yes I've got an original 50s television which is a bit wobbly but it looks amazing. I've got a vintage dressing table I work with just ordinary you know cushions here and there there's there's just loads loads of different things but i don't want to clutter my studio up so you can't walk in it anymore yeah i t i try to keep it minimal i also don't like the idea of having a prop that will pop up in my pictures over and over and over again every time you photograph it it becomes a used prop i'd rather have uh, people see my work and go oh that was shot by nicole because of the light or the way i photograph somebody not because oh look there's that shades along again so i tend to keep props to a bit of a minimum to be honest and rather work with other things 
And backgrounds and props, do you ever change them digitally or after the photo has been taken? I do that for um, cosplay mainly. I have done it for pinup stuff when it becomes a bit crazy. I've, last year, I did a photo shoot with somebody bringing a giant flamingo, an inflatable flamingo, like a, uh, for a swimming pool. It's absolutely enormous. And then we posed her on it and then I put her on the ocean because it made sense. It's just, why would you have a flamingo inside a studio? Yeah, I do sometimes do that, yes. Yeah, I mean, sort of being at the beach in, in swimwear was, was what I was thinking would be the appropriate choice for that. If you're doing uh, taking pictures of someone in swimwear, you might change the background so that they're at the beach because then the context makes sense. Let's talk about retouching. What editing and retouching do you do? Um, I do basic retouching because I find that sometimes skin looks a bit weird if it's not totally covered in makeup everywhere. So a, bit, a basic smoothing is fine and I don't like, you know, as, as all women know, you have a fantastic appointment for a photo shoot and on that day you're going to get the biggest spot in the world in your face. So that needs to come out, obviously. I do not like changing people's shapes or making them look if somebody is a size 16 they will look their best in the picture but i will not make them look like a size 10 because i think that's wrong i don't want an impressionist painting of the person that was here i want an image of them i want a picture a photograph i also think it gives out the wrong message it's like i i started off i was as i was saying earlier to make women feel better about the way they look if i now retouch that to a you know somebody who's a size 16 to a size 10 all i'm telling them is your original image wasn't good enough i have to now turn you into a barbie doll so that it becomes acceptable i don't agree with that so that kind of retouching i really don't do unless i am paid shed loads amount of money from somebody i wouldn't do it <laughs> and so far that hasn't happened I enjoy using Photoshop for background, for changing things in inside the background. Like I said earlier, what you said with a beach or with an ocean, or when I do cosplay, I do a lot of you know, science fiction editing with lens flares and that kind of stuff. The person themselves, I don't like to retouch them to the point that you can't recognize them anymore. So we're, we're talking different things really, because you, um, and I need to remind myself that you have, um, you do pinup and you do cosplay. Cosplay, you're going to, totally transform it digitally aren't you the background and the person because that's fine but ethically there there is a problem with manipulating too much of a woman um for pinup and and i agree with that if if i shoot a woman um and i shoot a model it might be the case that they they're incredibly slim but the angle i've picked and we you talked about angles and that that's completely oblivious to me. I don't know what angles a, a woman would want because I'm a bloke, um, and I might shoot an angle and I might think oh, she doesn't look as slim as she is. So I might use Photoshop to put her back to the way she was, or I might just make her shoulders look a bit more relaxed, or her shoulder might be at an, an odd angle in the picture. So I might just fix that in photoshop but certainly i've never transformed anyone's size or made their hips thinner or their bust bigger i'll try and enhance certain things i'll smooth skin i will make i, I will remove certain strands of hair that are going across the face that sort of thing but i won't do drastic transformations um what for one it just takes too much time Two, I don't really agree with it. And three, I don't know that anyone would ever thank me for it. When you're shooting pinup, uh, quite a lot of the women that I photographed, for instance, wear corsets. Now, corsets squeeze the middle in. So that means whatever got squeezed there is going to go somewhere. Um, and very often you get a bit of a, what we call a back squidge, which you can hide with certain angles, but it doesn't always work. Or sometimes you just took that wonderful picture, but whatever you know, is squidging out of the top of the corset is visible. So I'm going to push it back in in Photoshop because I don't want to waste an otherwise really beautiful picture. So I agree with that. You know, I'm basically fixing to what should have been there in the first place. But, you know, as we already said, changing somebody to the point of non-recognition. The same goes for age. I have women here, you know, I've, I think the oldest lady I photographed was in her 60s. And why should I make her look like a 20-year-old? 
She was in her 60s. She was gorgeous. She was still beautiful in her 60s. Why do I have to then pretend that she's 20 or 30 years younger? She isn't. And she was very happy with it. She was very confident in her own skin. So why change it? Why give her the message that whatever she feels about herself isn't good enough? Hypothetically, could you change her to look like a 20 year old? Because I certainly couldn't. I don't have the, the skills for that. I don't even know if it's possible. You know, you can you can take a few years off someone. Can you take 40 years off someone? I don't think I can. If I turn her into a totally plastic Barbie doll, yes, probably. But that would quite likely really look like a shop window dummy by the end of it. So, I mean, just think Snapchat filter times 50, <laughs> which would probably look quite scary in the end. So let's have a quick talk about your gear. And I know we spoke before about you've got your three strobe lights, you've, you've got a few modifiers and you've got a reflector. What sort of camera gear do you use? I'm keeping it pretty simple with my camera gear as well. Um, I've got a Canon EOS 50D and I've got two lenses that I, I trust. I've got two lenses that I trust. I've got a zoom lens that I use mainly, which is a um, 28-135mm. And I've got a standard portrait lens. And that's about it, really, because I'm making it working in the studio. I don't really have much use for giant zoom lenses that you would maybe use if you were outside and quite a long way away from your subject. So I'm quite happy with my equipment. I suppose I could... You know, if somebody would offer it to me, I definitely would buy some other lenses. But at the moment, I'm quite happy with it. I have a backup camera, which is also a Canon, just in case my camera ever fails. And that's about it, really. Oh, flash gun, obviously, for when I do go out. I sometimes also just use it to trigger my flashes. It's quite nice. Works. And I'm guessing you probably shoot because it's a beauty shot and you've got plenty of light from your strobes. You're probably shooting at maybe F8 or F11. So getting a really shallow depth of field and having an expensive prime lens doesn't matter. No, exactly. No, yeah, that's right. So I never go under F8 really. And because it is so light, you, you, you don't really have to. And that makes it, you know, nice and crisp in the foreground and slightly blurry in the background. And yeah, you're going. Yeah, it's refreshing to find someone who, who can do that. I mean, I will. I did a shoot yesterday and it, it was at night time, so I was shooting at f2. So a, a zoom lens that starts at f3.5 or or f4 would have been useless to me. And I just brought, I brought a flash with me, but I brought just a little LED actually. And, and that was enough just to lift the person out of the shadows and make sure they were not completely dark. So that's another story. I'll probably do that. I'll probably talk about that on my podcast next week. Let's talk about your cosplay work now. Now, what's in fact, maybe before we talk about your cosplay, tell me what you consider to be your biggest success in pinup for whatever reason. This is going to sound very cheesy. Um, I did a, a show. I sometimes do shows where I exhibit my work to pitch for new clients and to just, you know, I like shows because you can directly talk to people coming back to being a people person. So I did a show in London quite a big show and um, I had my photographs on the wall and I saw a woman walk past them looking at them and walking past the store turning her head as she walked and then I saw her walk backwards and come back and looked at me and she went my god they all look so happy and I thought that is awesome they look happy isn't that that's the biggest compliment I ever got for my work because it came off the cuff, it was there, there was no intent for her to say anything nice about me. She had never met me before. And there were quite a lot of photography, um, other people's photography on show. Um, you know, some of it was high fashion stuff. There was a few fetish people there, you know, beautiful work. But I just thought that that sums it up for me. And I felt really good about my work. And that was the best achievement. As I said, it sounds cheesy, but I thought spot on. Wow. You make people happy, and that there aren't many people that that sort of do that in their in their profession. Comedian, maybe. So, yeah, that's really good. Well done. Let's now talk about your cosplay work. I've done a few cosplay shoots. I really enjoy doing cosplay because the people who are cosplayers put a lot of effort in. They work really hard, and it's really nice. and And they appreciate a good photo because they they put a lot of work in. They've done makeup. They've built their own kits they put it all together it, it's it's a hobby 
but it's quite intensive hobby and they really appreciate a good photo and I like working with people like that but why did you move into cosplay? I started doing cosplay photography more seriously about one and a half years ago so not that long ago. My partner worked in the film industry for a long time and he worked on films like Star Wars and Harry Potter and he very often gets invited to shows to sign his autograph so sorry about the name dropping I haven't said his name sorry anyway so I've been to an awful lot of science fiction shows you know I keep seeing people where I think their costumes are so good that the people who made the original film would be envious as a matter of fact we used to know John Mollo who was the costume designer for Star Wars for the old Star Wars movies in the 80s he said the same thing he said the costumes we designed were good for the film and they did their job and obviously he won an Oscar for it so they must have been good but he said they wouldn't stand up to being worn over and over and over again so the quality of cosplay is so high in places you think surely having a really brilliant picture after all the work and effort that has been put into that outfit would be amazing something you can look back on one day you know you can say once when I was 30, 40, whatever, I'd made this amazing outfit. And here's the image. Obviously, they get a lot of pictures from shows, which is great because it gives them a memento of the day that they were wearing the outfit. And it's great when they get stopped by people in the show saying, can I take a picture with you? But having a photo shoot in a studio and then having them edited the way I edit them so they look like film stills or posters, you know, gives credit to the work they have already done. The other aspect of it is I'm a total nerd. You know, I, I sit at shows and my partner goes, what's that costume over there? And I go, oh, that's Warhammer. And what's that costume over there? Oh, that's from Captain Harlock. It's a television series in the 80s, now real film. So I can, I can just, you know, rattle all this, what I thought useless knowledge down of science fiction, animation, um, etc. And I suddenly can put it to good use. I can actually, yeah, I don't have to research the characters all that much because most of them are already know. The final thing to it was that back when I was younger, when I was sort of 18, 19, 20, I cosplayed. But back then it wasn't cool. And it was very, very difficult to find any items, props from movies at all. So you had to make absolutely everything from scratch. My mum helped me a lot because she was a whiz with a sewing machine. You know, plus you got an awful lot of flag for it. If you walked out the door in your costume, you wouldn't get very far without being shouted at for being a nerd, idiot, whatever they wanted to call you. So I'm, I'm super pleased to see that it has moved on a bit and that it's more acceptable. There might still be idiots out there, but it is more acceptable. And the quality, the quality of the outfits is mind blowing. So what's not to like? And what sort of percentage of your business is now cosplay? At the moment, it isn't particularly huge because I've only started about one and a half years ago. So I'm still trying to breach into the market. I would say maybe 10%, but I hope to increase that. So my ideal of it, it would be that I shoot 50-50 so that I've got pin-up of one leg to stand on and cosplay as another leg to stand on. Plus, then I basically have the two subjects that I absolutely love. And I can work on them on a nearly daily basis. Who wouldn't like that? And which is the more difficult image to complete and deliver to the customer? Is it a pinup or is it cosplay? And what's the sort of split between, it might be one is more difficult to photograph on the day and one takes more time to edit digitally. A pinup tends to be more difficult to shoot on the day, especially as the client is very different. Um, a woman that comes here to have a pinup shoot, let's go with a new customer. They have to be, you know, calm down. They have to settle. They have to have a chat first most of the time. You have to have a cup of tea or coffee. You have to do the hair and makeup. You're talking, you're making them feel at ease. Then the shoot proceeds. And, and you know, you can sort of almost say the first 10 to 20 images I can throw away from a pinup shoot because they're just too tense. Um, you know, whatever you tell them, they go, oh, I've never posted before. I don't know what I'm doing. And you just go, don't worry, just go with the flow. We're going to get there. Um, and then you can eventually see the sort of click going on the other side. And you go, ah, they're relaxing. Now we can work properly. 
Whereas cosplayers, no offense to them, I, I you know, count myself as one of them, unnatural show-offs. So once they have their costume on, there's no problem with posing. They can't wait to get there. So shooting cosplay is easier because you don't, all you have to do is get the lighting right. Everything else they already bring. You can, you know, direct them in a bit that you say, look, you have to think a bit smaller for a picture frame. You can't really make enormous gestures. Um, but otherwise, they're already there. Whereas then pin-up, I don't edit nearly as much as I do the cosplay pictures. And then so at the cosplay pictures, the editing process, you could say one picture takes about a day to finish. Whereas the pin-up, I can probably edit five to ten depending on how much editing i have to do per picture but i can edit five to ten in one day for really go for it that's the difference between shoot and after work in both cases that's surprising that it, it takes eight hours but i guess there's no point doing a sort of fantasy cosplay shoot unless you're going to go all out and it has to look convincing doesn't it otherwise what's the point um, with composite well this kind of uh, um editing is called composite photography so you shoot somebody on a plain background i tend to prefer gray for that and then you basically cut them out of there and place them in an according background so say you shoot somebody as batman you want him then in a sort of dark gotham like background the important thing is that the light matches so if you light somebody in a specific way in in terms of batman it will probably be quite shadowy you then have to make sure that whatever you use as a background has the same kind of lighting. So the light comes out of the same direction. The shadows need to match. I do sometimes paint them in if they don't. You have to try and get into that direction. If you you know, do a composite in Photoshop where the light is totally different to what you have shot, you will have a whale of a time trying to match that. And if you don't match it, it looks like a cutout. It looks like somebody cut the picture out of Batman and stuck it onto a picture of Gotham, which I just don't like. So I wanted to have depth and I wanted to have layers like he was actually in Gotham, not in my studio. I have, to, <laughs> I have taken that to a bit of a crazy level with exactly a Batman shot. I have a, a Batman photograph that I had almost finished and then I decided it should rain. Although the rain adds to the atmosphere, it gave me all sorts of trouble because I thought, well, if it rains, the rain would bounce off him and he would bounce off the ground. So then I edited every single bounce off his armor and off the ground by hand. So that took a bit longer than an eight hour working day. <laughs> but the picture was awesome in the end and he was absolutely chuffed with it. That was my own fault for just thinking, oh, I could take that to another level. And then cursing myself for trying that. So do you sit down with people and you say, this is the background you're, this, you show them on the computer because background has, has two meanings, doesn't it? Show them on the computer before you take the photo. This is the background I'm going to put you against. Or do you just have them pose in front of the grey screen and then they get surprised later? Second, um, I tend to see what they can do in terms of poses. Um, see how, you know, how adventurous they are with posing, um, you know, including standing on one leg or jumping or whatever. Um, and then I see what background I can put them in that, that works with the character. Um, and then I kind of, yeah, I surprise them. I mean, obviously they have an idea of what we have just shot. So it's not a total surprise, but I, um, they do give me the free choice of saying which picture I'm going to edit. So um, I'm quite happy about that because it gives me way more possibilities. If they would, ins I mean, I have people that come here and say, I want to, you know, show me a picture of the original character and then say I want to recreate this. I don't have a problem with that per se but it does limit your creativity a bit because then you have to just make sure the light is exactly the same, their pose is exactly the same and it becomes a technical exercise and if you haven't noticed that yet from this interview I'm not a super technical person, I prefer to go with a person that's there. I can do it but it's not my favourite thing. That really appeals to me, recreating like a shot from a film or a shot from a, a comic book or graphic novel, recreating that is something that appeals to me. So maybe I am a bit a bit more technical rather than 
outright creative but yeah that certainly appeals to me do you ever do anything practically with your cosplay so when i think of cosplaying composites i think of someone shot against a green background and everything put in digitally do you ever put anything practically or do you ever do as much as you can in camera oh yeah now i do still have them although when you look at my cosplay images they are obviously very heavily edited but i still do have the mantra if you can do it for real do it because it, it's, it looks better, it still looks better. It doesn't matter how good your editing skills are. If it was there in the first place, you don't have a problem editing it. I have done some awesome real shots. Um, there's a company in, uh, um, close to Amersham, sorry. There's a company close to Amersham called Prop Store who are dealing in um, real film props. So you can buy them. They they buy them from the film sets and then they clean them up and make them presentable and then you can buy them off them. And I've known them for a long time and every now and then they have props that I would like to work with. And I have asked them, the first time I asked them, um, it was just an idea off the cuff and I thought they're gonna say no. And they said yes. And I did a photo shoot with somebody dressed as Mina Harka from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with the car from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So that was rather spectacular. And I have done another photo shoot with prop stores since with a um, chair by Giga, who designed the alien creature from the films, from the alien films. So if I have something like that, why on earth would I do that in digital if I can actually have the real thing? The other thing I have done is for a photo shoot of a sort of retro circus performer, she could actually fire breeze. And I said, well, why should we edit it then if you can do it? I said, well, we can't do that in the studio because I don't really want to set my studio on fire. So we did it in our garden, much to the amusement of my neighbours. I can assure you no bushes were singed. I'm guessing people don't turn up in costume, do they? Or walk into your house dressed like a lizard or whatever. I've had Darth Vader change in front of the house. Why he did that, I have no idea. Not Darth Vader, sorry, it was stormtroopers. I said, you can change in here, but they prefer to change in the road <laughs> into their stormtrooper outfits. I went, well, whatever. Fine. I think my neighbours have seen it all by now. Sometimes they look at me a bit sideways and so they think I'm a bit nuts, but that's fine by me. And going back to that car, was that a full-size car? Was that a miniature or a scale car? Oh no, it was full-size, um, which came up with a whole set of other problems because I don't know if you've seen the movie, that car is absolutely enormous. It's very long, isn't it? It's super long. The, the model was leaning on the front and the front was about under her armpit. You could only really shoot bits of the car. There were too many other things in the background. So you had parked cars or you had a garage on the other end. So you can only ever shoot tiny bits of the car, which was really annoying because I wanted people to get an idea of the size of it. But yeah, that was an interesting shoot. You know, very privileged to be able to do that. Now we've talked about fantasy, creating things, different places. I'm gonna bring it back to boring reality now. With these sort of things, fire breathing, a very expensive car, props, other things like that, you must have sort of photography insurance and liability insurance. And has anything ever gone wrong? Luckily, no. I do have uh, public liability indeed. No, luckily nothing has ever gone wrong. I mean, apart from somebody, say, tripping over a cable, but nothing major. I think I have injured myself. When I hold a camera, if I go on a location and I hold a camera, I forget everything around me and I get reckless. So for instance, if I'm in a, on a norm, in an ordinary day scenario, I would not, for the life of me, step on anything higher than a stepladder. I don't like heights. If I'm holding a camera, I could probably hang out of a helicopter. It's quite bizarre. So I have done this. I stepped on a, on a bench, which nobody should even have tried to sit on. And then the bench broke and I fell down. And all I could think of was, hold the camera up so it doesn't break, never mind my legs. Hold the camera high. So I scraped all the skin of my shins, but the camera was intact, so that's all good. The skin's gonna grow back. That's all that matters, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I've fallen down icy paths. I have fallen over things in my own studio. I've burned myself, when I do hand makeup, I've burned myself with curling tongs regularly. So yeah, I think the damage I do to myself <laughs> I tend to not damage my clients. But no, nothing has ever gone seriously wrong, luckily. Good. I have never burnt myself with curling tons. I've never had hair and beauty accidents. And you've seen me, so you know why, don't you? <laughs> I'm guessing that must be the biggest source of your accidents, curling tongs and dropping things and things like that. 
I suppose. Well, when you know, when I first started all those years um, working, when I was about eighteen, I trained as a hairdresser. And I was saying that the other day about you know, they say somebody asked me, "Did you ever cut people?" And I said, "Well, yeah, it happened once or twice, but most of the time I cut myself. Far more often, at least once a week, some you would cut your own fingers." So the damage I inflict on myself is not really a problem as long as the, the clients, you know, don't have a problem or don't go out of here broken in any way. It's actually, you know, now you're saying it, and that's, that's not jinx it, but it's quite remarkable. You can see that 12 years going to people's places. Then I had a studio upstairs in, in one of our spare bedrooms. Now I have an extension to the house. People going in and out and still nobody has ever had any serious problems here. Thank God. Let's keep it that way let's not jinx it and and i really hope i haven't and let me know if there is something big do 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 get in contact as it was your fault you and your podcast it's jinxed it <laughs> what exciting things have you got coming up or or where do you want to be in a year's time or a couple of years time what does the future hold for you and your photography as i'm trying to expand my 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 cosplay range i'm going to do several science fiction shows this year the next one i'm going to do is called wiscon which is concentrating on harry potter which is in peterborough in March, I'm going to be at another show called Coventry Comic Con. I'm going to show, be at a show called Norcon, which is in Norfolk, and hopefully a few other bits and pieces. In the meantime, you know, I'm still going to shoot pin-up clients, obviously. I still have to carry on doing my social media, which is a job in itself. I, um, I publish a calendar every year that people can buy over my website. I tend to start planning now for the end of the year. I always come up with a different theme every year. So, yeah, I just hope that everything I'm doing right now just expands a bit more. I want to be realistic about it. I don't expect to be world famous by the end of the year, but I would like to expand on what I'm doing already, learn more. I always love learning more and hope that I can book more clients in to, you know, shoot the stuff I do shoot. And does your social media pay off for you or is it a lot of effort for nothing or doing it for, for the sake of doing it or, or does it give you tangible benefits? I have a huge following on Facebook. Unfortunately, actually came from the fact that there were a lot of men on there who just wanted to have a look at women in lingerie. On Instagram, I'm still building an audience. I have had clients purely from Facebook. Most people nowadays, they don't write you emails anymore. They contact you on Facebook. but it is a lot of work. I think on Instagram, if you want to make it work for you, you will have to have thousands of followers. Trying to get there is really difficult. Bottom line though is I still think you will get more clients out of the real world and by hearsay. If you have a satisfied customer, they will walk out and they are your best advert. No other advert, whatever you, you, you try to do on social media or you know buying adverts or whatever it is, can do what a one satisfied customer can do for you. If they walk out of your out of your studio and go, that was amazing, and if they're then very happy with the pictures, they will tell other people. And that's how you mainly get clients. Social media these days is essential because it's not just because everybody expects you to have it. I've heard a client say they also check the reputation of somebody on Instagram or on Facebook. They say, if I'm looking at a photographer and I like their work, I want to know, especially if we're talking something like lingerie and pinup, they want to know, have they got a good reputation? Has anybody ever complained about something funny or something strange or, you know, not coming across with the pictures for months and months and months or whatever it is that could possibly go wrong? Social media seems to be more for clients to confirm their opinion about you or for them to try and find out more about you before they actually commit to a photo shoot rather than creating clients it's an add-on but it, it, it has become a full-time job you have to literally post every day which can be annoying because i sometimes wonder what on earth am i going to talk about today apart from posting another pinup girl but you also have to say something with that not just hey isn't she pretty doesn't really do much for my photography so yeah can be tricky that must be draining. I mean, I, I put out a weekly podcast. I have a YouTube channel that, because I do a podcast, doesn't get so much interest from me. Most of my work goes into my podcast, but doing it weekly is difficult. It's a lot of work and I had time off for Christmas and actually then getting something out after I had time off was really difficult. I couldn't do posting something every day and making it interesting and different from yesterday. That must be a real drain. 
it can be annoying, but I have a, a very good friend who is a total social media whiz. And when I'm totally stuck, I ask her for advice. Instagram seems to be more about your life. So you're basically, you're selling a bit of your private life to make your work more accessible, I suppose, which I'm happy to do. You know, I mean, I'm not showing them things I don't want anybody to see, obviously, but, you know, ordinary things. I always thought it a bit of a waste of time. I always thought, who wants to see me have a cup of tea? What's so interesting about that? But then maybe it is interesting that I'm drinking my tea out of a War of the Worlds cup. So <laughs> to just give people the reassurance, yes, I am actually a nerd. I have all these things. I'm not just saying it. I mean it. It's quite weird, but I'm getting used to it. And I want to go back to something we spoke about some time ago, which is the, the contrast between the pinup work and the cosplay work. And you don't have to answer this because the, I, th I think this is a bit personal. The cosplay takes a lot longer after the shoot and it, it's more effort and it's more intensive because you're not getting so much in camera. Do your prices reflect that? They do. My cosplay shoots or the ones where I'm, uh, my editing takes a hell of a lot longer than it normally would. They are more expensive, up to double the amount that an ordinary pinup shoot would cost. Obviously, some people would say, you know, because they say they come here for a shoot and the shoot takes what, I don't know, just put a number on it. for an hour. The shoot actually takes an hour, say, with a bit of chat and advice on poses. Then they are supposed to pay quite a lot of money for you to turn their pictures into a poster or you know something that looks realistically, appropriately comic book or science fiction or whatever. But the thing is, as I said, you know, one picture can take you roughly eight hours, sometimes even longer, depending on what you do. If you come up with the idea of adding rain to it, <laughs> you know, yes, you get a raised eyebrow here and there. If you think what, you know, anybody would earn, say sitting in a supermarket at the checkout, what they earn in an hour, which is probably not enough, but just thinking about that, how much they earn in an hour, you know, multiply that by eight for one image plus the photo shoot then, you know, you know how much you have to charge. I have to, you know, cost. I mean, yes, I'm lucky I have the studio by the house. I have an extension to the house. But that doesn't mean I don't have to heat it or, you know, turn the lights on in here. I never mind the flashlights. Today, uh, this year, I bought a new um, computer. I bought, I finally got a proper iMac for editing. And it's it makes a world of difference, but it costs money. My camera equipment costs money. I have insurances that need to be paid. So all that adds up. So I think charging accordingly, not charging out of the ballpark, but charging accordingly is really important. And funny enough, that even touches on one of my pet hates. I understand that if you're doing it as a hobby, that you are reluctant to charge people. But you are ruining the market for everybody else. If your work is amazing, charge for it. You know, I have seen so many photographers totally undercharge for the images they do. You know, doing a photo shoot for £20. Why? That doesn't even cover turning the lights on for a day. So I don't understand why people would go there. So I'm sorry if I went into a bit of a rant, but it is one of my pet peeves when people undervalue their own work. And I know, I know I'm a candidate for it because what I charge should probably even be higher, but I'm, I'm happy at the moment. I want people to be able to afford it. I don't want it to be a, luck a total luxury item. The problem is people don't understand and people will think, yeah, you, you just press a button. They don't understand the the work that goes on in the background. So if I, if I do a, a TFP shoot, I have a set number of images that I give people. And I, I've had people say, oh, I want more images. And I said, well, no, that's my agreement. I think this number's fair for your time. You don't know how much time it's going to take me to edit. People don't understand the work that goes in. They don't understand the preparation. They don't understand the investment in kits. They don't, and they certainly don't understand the time because, well, why would they? They they have a smartphone. They they see it's just pressing a button. The person I worked with yesterday looked at the image and said, "Can't you blur the background?" No, I can't. I've, I've taken it now. I can't go back and blur the background. But you can do that on a smartphone. I just want to say thank you, Nicole, for speaking with me today. You're extremely welcome. It was very pleasant.